This, 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 this is mythical. Welcome to Ear Biscuits. I'm Link. And I'm Rhett. Joining us today at the round table of dim lighting is Russian American YouTuber, vlogger, and entrepreneur. Olga K. Known to her fans as Moosh Mommy, Olga was once a professional juggler in the Russian circus and for Ringling Brothers in the US. Since then, she's made a presence online with her unique ability to juggle multiple platforms. Oh, you like what I, did I see there? what you did there. She vlogs, performs sketch comedy, collaborates, and she's got a gaming channel, a fashion channel. She Snapchats, Periscopes, Dang. I think that's the verb. She's even selling her own socks. Oh. Not, not like off her feet, she has like a line of socks. Got it. Um, she's, she's eBaying her one pair of socks. No, she's got a line. Uh, if there's a platform out there that's to be worked, Olga K is working it. And she's been on YouTube for nine years, constantly adapting to keep her content fresh and creative. In the process, she's racked up over one million subscribers across her different channels. We really enjoyed talking to Olga, finding out about her fascinating backstory about growing up in a poor village in Crimea mm-hmm. and joining the circus as a teenager. Of course, we had a lot of questions about the circus, including what it was like to clean up after her aunt's flock of trained geese. Yes, her aunt had a flock of trained geese. I just, I, I love it when we're able to dig into something like the circus because, I mean, our brains just, just if there was like a brain map, it would just yeah. be lighting on fire. We'd Lots fi- of circus find, parts. Oh, finally, we get to talk about circus There's a whole stuff. circus section of each one of our brains. I mean, it, we talked about the dynamic of her relationship with her mother having to leave uh, Russia. I found yeah. that very moving as well. And then we also discussed a potentially controversial new book she's working on that details an experiment of dating a different person each month over the course of a year. Uh, that's interesting. Oh, yeah. You're gonna enjoy this biscuit. But first we wanna talk about our sponsor that helps make ear biscuits possible. EF College Break. The travel experts at EF College Break create amazing and affordable travel experiences for people aged 18 to 28, college not required. Now everybody knows the hardest part about traveling is the planning, reserving flights and hotels, figuring out what to do, when to do it, how to get from place to place, dealing with cancellations, closures, delays. You don't wanna do this, but you gotta do it, or you can let the travel pros at EF College Break take care of all of it for you and then you're just free to enjoy the trip. And they've got some amazing trips for you to enjoy. Across six continents, that's almost all of them. Uh, check out their website, there's a coast. It's not, there's not, they don't have one trip that goes over six continents. They have many different trips. That would, that would be a monster trip. I- to visit all continents? Well, but if you string together a number of their trips, you, no, you could, could make yeah, it to six true. continents. That's true. Uh, check out the website. There's a Costa Rican adventure. I recommend Costa Rica. I, there's a lot of wood there. I brought some back for Link. It doesn't work well. It's a bowl. It has leaks, but forget about that. You're going to have a good time if you go. Uh, European road trip, grand tours of Ireland, Italy, and Spain, and a whole lot more, and they also provide a tour director who's a local expert, so you know you're gonna get the most out of your experience. Right, if he would've done that, he would've been telling it, don't buy that bowl. Yeah, that's it's gonna, gonna leak. leak. Yeah. Your, your, uh, your partner in entertainment is gonna be upset. Upset, right. Because he was really excited about it, and then the, the milk just goes through the bottom of the cereal bowl. Remember, even if you sign it by yourself, you won't be alone. EF College Break groups you with other travelers that you'll get to share this amazing experience with, so do it. Head over to our special URL, efcollegebreak.com slash ret and link, and we'll hook you up with an extra $100 off your next adventure. That's right, for $100 off, go to efcollegebreak.com slash ret and link. And now, on to the biscuit. 
Okay, we are live, guys. We're rolling. We're not live, actually. This is not a live show. Thanks, thanks for be being on time. Um, you, you were early. I, um, I I keep hearing this thing, how I'm the only YouTuber that shows up on time. Is that well, true? Well, you're the <laughs> only person who ever came early, that's for sure. For this, yeah. And I would say that I, I would go as far as to say 90% of people don't show up on time. But well, but as soon as I learned how to read, I read the quote from Woody Allen, um, 80% of success is showing up, so I've just been showing up. I don't do anything else, but I show up on time. <laughs> so you learn to read by reading Woody Allen <laughs> screenplays? Yep. Let's come back to that. Okay. I'm, I'm sure we're going to get to your, your, your background and your story, and I, I know that Woody Allen screenplays will be an integral part of you. you <laughs> He's a big part of my read. development, yeah. But it's interesting, if you say that you are someone, and you are because you proved it, somebody who shows up on time, uh, it's usually not an aspect of their personality that they would have 60,000 unread emails. <laughs> you watched that video? Yeah. Is that yeah, is that screenshot real or did you fake that? No, 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 that's absolutely real. It's just sometimes I look at emails and if they don't sense the importance in my brain, I just ignore it and then I forget. And then there's a lot of things that just went under the cracks because I just I just forgot to yeah. open it. A lot of by you mean 60,000? 60,000, 60, yeah. That's a lot of cracks. <laughs> well, I try to concentrate on important things. Um, something that needs my attention right away and if it's not something important then it's But just you don't go back away. and you, you don't do the bulk delete cuz it, it, so 30,000 and that 60,000 is just people saying you didn't reply to the last <laughs> Probably. email. But you but you but you uh, peruse your inbox and you see who it came from and the subject. And the, I do. And, so in recently, the beginning of the email or whatever. Yeah, in the last six months, I actually just moved and I've been enjoying my life, so I haven't really been paying attention to <sighs> emails at all. Do you mark, do you start to read it, decide if it's important, and then if it's not important, you mark it as unread? Y well, yes, I mark it as flagged. And but, then I have to go every night. Yeah. I have this thing where I have to go back and read all the flagged emails. That's my system. But then I forget. I but never you do that d either. So you're telling me that the unread emails mm -hmm. are legitimately unread because the ones that you've read but didn't read fully or act on, you they're they they're read but flagged. Correct. So you have sixty thousand bona fide unread emails. Well, you get, the definition of unread here is important because I, I'm gonna I'm sympathizing with Olga here because for me, I can end up. Ha In fact, very recently I had about twenty six hundred unread emails. Mm -hmm. But of that 2,600 unread emails, I would say that 2,200 of them, I knew who they, they were from and what they were about. Like I wasn't just missing emails. Yeah, it was kind of like, you, uh, you know, I'm not, I don't need to look at that right now. And you do read the first three lines. Yeah, you, right? get, you get all you so need. you get an idea. You get all you need. Okay. But it, I, I have changed my system. Here's my phone. Mm -hmm. um, let me do the thumbprint thing. He has 50 unread emails. That's and, impossible. And that's just as of today. By the end of today, it will be like five or zero. Because I cannot, if I look down on my, every time I open my phone, if I were you, I would you implode. Have anxiety. <laughs> you I would have implode. Anxiety. I have anxiety. That's why I stopped reading that. But I do have a new system now, which is came into effect um, only a week ago. And it's the system where I read the first three lines. And if I'm not interested, I just delete it without even <laughs> opening. <laughs> That's my new system. And then I keep only the important ones. Hey, nothing wrong with that. Um, so my number will stay 60,000 until I go back and delete all of them. Yeah. But the new ones will be under control. Yeah. I mean, so psychologically for you, mm -hmm. you're cool with this 60,000 glaring at you. Yeah. That's like zero to you. Exactly. You know what? I like it because it, it, if, 
I actually recently changed the link system. I currently have 83 unread emails. So mm-hmm. I, I've decided I wanted to get rid of those and I read through a bunch of them and then I just bulk deleted a bunch of them because I you know, looked at the subject. But now I'm a slave to this little red bubble. You know, it's like, I go to get that to say zero. It's never going to say zero. It might as well say 60,000. Yeah, last night I got home and, you know, I had worked all day mm-hmm. and I get home and I eat dinner with the family. We ate some sushi. I ate spicy tuna for the first time. Lily got me to eat it. Hold on, you ate spicy tuna for the first time? In wow. sushi. Yes. Because it looks like just raw flesh. I mean, it, well, it they is. make it look gross on purpose. I don't mean to digress here. Lily, who just turned 12, she's like, Dad, just try it. Don't eat the seaweed part. I know you don't like that, but just take this. I'm going to eat it. And I was like, you know what? It's good. It must just be the seaweed part. So I, I liked it. So, but the point I was making was I spent quality time with my family. We were eating some sushi. My, I expanded my horizons thanks to Lily. But then we come back home and everybody goes to their screen. Mm-hmm. And we, we highly regulate how much screen time our kids have, but they were away all day and they were begging for it. And they get a little bit, you know. And, but then I go back to the bedroom, lay down on the bed because my phone was dying, plugged it in the wall there because that's where my phone charger is. And then 20 minutes later, Christy comes in. She's like, what are you doing? I was on my phone. I was like, I couldn't hide it. I'm like, well, listen, I'm, I'm trying to get that red bubble down. I got to get that number down to zero on my emails. I've been, we've been shooting all day. I haven't, haven't had a chance to Get the to go through any emails. I might have something important in here, or I got to get that number down. So, see, you're developing an obsession. Yeah, it's like trying to it's s- not sleep on top of a volcano that's constantly erupting. You just <laughs> you cannot you cannot win this game. Let it erupt. Let it you know. No, you can't. Pompeii. Let it boil thing, people alive. One thing you can do is mm-hmm. stop doing what we're doing and just disappear and cut off the internet. Well, you oh, just really? or get a new email address, Olga. I mean, just if okay, you're well, at, if you zeroed at sixty. Actually, grand, it's one of the problems because I do have five different email addresses. Oh, that's a problem. Actually, the email that no, that's you an excuse. Used? I have I have <laughs> literally twelve email addresses. That fifty is across twelve email addresses. Hmm. I, I, I could, yes, I, uh, I'll i always have this problem, um, but I have a better system now. So now 60,000 will stay 60,000, but it's kind of yeah, like that's a zero. I, yeah, we, right. we, yeah. already, we already heard that. Yeah. <laughs> You'll hear it again. And it. We'll, <laughs> hey, the bigger problem here is... Me. Uh, why? It's me. Just say it. <laughs> it's you, Link. It's you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, I mean, okay, so the, the healthy thing is just to move on. Just yeah, to, yeah, yeah, just sure. to rest you know, on the yeah. volcano and move on. But You guys I move was, on. I'm going to be reading my emails. <laughs> I, I was expecting you to say that that was, it was fake. You know, I saw it in, in the screenshot. She wouldn't fake that. Why would but I fake I was like, that? I was internet, like, man. Do you, do you know how that. much you yeah. know, Photoshop skills I have to have to fake that? It was a funny joke, except that now it's real, so it was just sad. No, it was still funny. <laughs> um, one of the things I always think about is that uh, you were exploring the concept of speaking to your audience. Mm-hmm. And I think this is something that uh, Ren and I have talked about. Uh, we actually talked about it with Shannon and Candace on the Hey Hey Show and adopting a mindset of speaking to your audience. I've been on YouTube for the last nine years. Uh, so there's a lot of things that I went through where I was so excited and then I developed the brand and then I was just really burned out and I didn't want to do it anymore. And then I still still had to keep on going. And I used to be... I used to be so much much more connected to my audience. Before, it was just no pressure. I was just talking to this one person. It's only one person that watches you at a time. Because practically speaking, when you when you think about it, mm-hmm. we're just having a conversation. But but you're typically watching a video 
alone. Alone in a bathroom. On the toilet. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. Or you were um, in your room. I mean, it's or, or in you're the finishing, car. Yeah, you're finishing up your day. You're in bed and you watch that video. Um, so, and that really made me think of how it's always just one person. And you should never make videos for this giant audience or get overwhelmed because there's a giant audience watching you now. It's always just one person there. And how has that changed things for you? Uh, I'm a lot more excited. And what really made me uh, bounce back to my old self is actually Snapchat. Because Snapchat is a very connected experience because you're holding the camera and uh, you're not sitting in front of the camera. Mm -hmm. I always found that um, even now, nine years later, when I make a video and I'm sitting in front of the camera, I get nervous. I don't know what to say. I don't mm -hmm. know how to open my video. It's just this weird thing. Um, but when I do Snapchat, I'm very comfortable because I'm actually holding it and I'm talking to one person. It's like you've grabbed them by the neck. Pretty much, yes. and that right. makes me very comfortable. <laughs> well, you're in charge at that point, right? Yep. Hey, look at this, look at this, yep. look at this, look at this. <laughs> yeah. It's a control thing. But let's talk about Snapchat because, I mean, we explored that with Corridor Digital from the standpoint of directing Snapper Hero, mm -hmm. uh, but I, I kind of felt like that was a weird way to have an, still having not used Snapchat. I just, right. you know, I, I just admitted to not watching Snapper Hero, but I was too late. Um, yep. It. W I thought it was a weird way, weird introduction for us because it's it's an interpersonal application mm -hmm. that you're one step closer to using it. I would imagine in the way that it's designed. But you're st as an entertainer and a person, online personality, you're still you're still twisting it a little bit. So what was your what was your first uh, interaction with Snapchat? Maybe as a user. Yeah. So uh, the first time I used it was probably two years ago, and I really two didn't... years. Yeah. When was it for you? <laughs> well, never. I haven't used it, but uh, I, I didn't know it's been around that long. Oh no, it's been around forever. And originally, it started as. Did a... you know that? I would have said eighteen months, but I. Oh really? Yeah. Well, two. Well, it started off. Do you know the origins? Mm -hmm. It was a sexting app. Where well, was, I, well, I knew, well, I knew that, that, rap, that everyone I, thought that, yeah. Yeah, so people only use, so it was never public, um, but two years it was just a private thing, which I could never use because, I mean, I don't want my nude pictures to disappear after 24 hours. I want <laughs> right. them to live on yeah, forever. Right. So I never really used that. And then um, I think two years ago um, it started, I'm actually not sure when I went public where you, people could follow you, but um, it took me two years to realize the importance of Snapchat. And I think in the last six months, I started watching, actually when but people- But how are you doing it, how are you using it privately? <laughs> no, I wasn't. So I tried it and I just never used it. Oh, okay. And then once it started opening up to the public and I started watching my other friends watching all these public profiles and I was just so annoyed by them holding the button and then they would always tap on the screen with the other finger. And to me, that was just so annoying. And like, this will never become, this is never going to become a thing for me until one morning I followed a couple of people that I already like and I started watching it and I started doing it myself. And it was just overnight where I realized that- follow? <laughs> There's a couple of people I follow. Steve Zaragoza is one of my favorite. So, okay. And he was one of the first. So, I'm not sure how long he's been there, but I followed him. I followed the Wasabi Productions and just a bunch of YouTube friends and trying to see mm -hmm. what they were doing with it. And they were not really doing much with it because they were not coming from a traditional uh, vlogging everyday world. Uh, they were coming from a sketch world mm -hmm. into Snapchat where once in a while they'll post something. And I saw it as an opportunity to vlog because I've done it for so many years. And uh, um, the reason I stopped vlogging is because I was just so tired of editing. 
every night I had to edit all the mm. footage that I've been filming and Snapchat gave me an opportunity not to edit and I just have to snap myself for 10 seconds and then it creates a story for you. So at the end of the day, you have a whole file that is all edited together by the app. Right. And Link the, is so confused. He's like, wait, what? I'm just being me. <laughs> um, but also in the... the, the but it lasts for 24, like... 24 hours. But they start to click off. So like it, each one is like a time release of 24 hours. Yes. Individually. Correct. You, you didn't accumulate a whole bunch of them and then blah, 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 I'm throwing them all up there. Yeah, it's, it's real time. A, it's real time. And then um, what I liked about it, you can draw on your face, which became very interactive and fun. And you can take pictures. So it's not just the video form where people get bored sometimes. Hmm. It's a it's this visual um, thing where you see a picture and then you see drawing and then you see a video again. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because... Um, the way that you talk about it, which I think is the way that a lot of people are successfully using it now, it really has the potential to sort of push vlogging into this weird place where, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I vlogging in, in, in a controlled atmosphere where it's, I guess. I would say a, pure, definitely pure vlogging. Yeah, pure vlogging. But vlogging is kind of a. As an, like a, da as an a daily form? vlog, a daily yeah, yeah, vlog yeah. where you're like, I, come and be a part of my life. Mm -hmm. It really doesn't make nearly as much sense uh, to do that in a edited video when this kind of creates that yeah, for and, you. And the good thing is you can, at the end of it the day. It goes away though. It no, goes no, but away. But here's the thing. At the end, and a lot of people don't realize that, but at the end of the day, you can save the whole file from your whole day as a QuickTime file and upload it to YouTube if you wanted to. And then it lives on forever. So it's as an archive. Yes. Oh, okay. So you can do that. But I just realized that, um, especially being on YouTube for so long and seeing how audience has been consuming the um, content, and uh, the more people joining in YouTube, the less people end up watching particular content because they're so it's oversaturated. And what Snapchat is training people to do is to be there. And if they're not, it's like they're missing something important at the party if they go take a nap or go to bed. So they only have 24 hours to see it. So people come back to the app every three hours to see if something new was posted so they never miss anything. So it's great because your content is getting consumed and I think it's going to be fantastic for brands because then they'll know for sure that people are going to see the message. Are you making any money? Through Snapchat or is it speculative? Um, you don't make money on your everyday uh, posts yet. I don't. But I have done branding content that happened on Snapchat. Right. So it, it didn't involve Snapchat. You were just working with a brand. Yes. And it just like sometimes we'll, you know, we'll tweet to go along with a sponsored promotion on Good Mythical Morning or something mm -hmm. like that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's happening. So that's definitely happening. And I think it's going to be a lot more happening of that. Because every time I talk to... Um, Either my managers or networks, uh, they're all talking about Snapchat. So I think all the advertisers are also thinking about Snapchat. So you're moving on to Periscope. So I Periscope, don't even know what it is. So I've heard a lot about it. And last night I was hanging out with Taryn Southern and Flula. And we, she was like, guys, are you on Periscope? I'm like, oh, gosh. I was kind of like you guys. I'm like, oh, no, not another app. Yeah, your stomach just drops, yes. right? Yes, I was like, oh, I have to develop something else now and figure out what I do. So I asked her, is that like Snapchat? And she said, yes. And I got so angry because I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I just got into Snapchat. I can't be doing something else just like Snapchat. Turns out it's actually nothing like Snapchat. <laughs> it's, so Taryn it, was wrong. She was a little wrong. <laughs> and you don't have to hold the button, but it's the most interactive platform I've been, I've been on. 
So it's a platform for live streaming and you can live stream anywhere. And uh, you see little messages from people popping up right away. And uh, it's the app created by Twitter. So it's connected to your Twitter already. And when people and people can click on the screen if they like you and you see all these hearts flying around. So it's really cute for girls. Um, but then um, the brilliant part about that app, every time you go live and people follow you, they just get a quick notification on your phone saying that she's live. Just click one button and you're watching the show and now you can interact with me. Where does the notification show up? Is it a push notification? Push notification. Just even if your phone's not even yep. awake. Yep. Uh, and this is all of... Are Twitter followers? Uh, Twitter, yes. So uh, if you follow Rentlink on Twitter mm -hmm. and we enabled Periscope, mm -hmm. automatically. They don't automatically follow you, but they're connect. Let's say they open their app and they say, uh, and they see who's on the list. So you'll be on the list, suggested list right away for them. Because they already follow they already you on Twitter. Okay. Yeah. Uh, wasn't there, isn't there another app? that is doing the same thing via Twitter, like people will tweet and then you can watch a live stream in, in, right there in their Twitter stream? Is this is that the same thing? I'm not sure. Because either I, I have heard about this and I thought and I didn't realize it was called Periscope or you know, there, it's a, there's another one. The thing I love about this conversation is that a year from now, people are listening to this right now. The right now is a year <laughs> from now and they're laughing at us in the way that they're like <laughs> brow furrowed talking about. Like talking, if you're right hearing about somebody Snapchat, talk about the internet like Brian Gumbel yeah, yeah. and Katie Couric talking about even the internet. a year later. You know, if you're right about Snapchat, mm -hmm. if now is a year from now, they're laughing at us. They probably, yeah. Or if we're if you're wrong about Snapchat they're or They're laughing even more, right? They're, they're like, ah, they're like, oh, I do remember that for a for a second, for an internet <laughs> second. Oh, 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 it's the one with the uh, the meerkat. Is the meerkat? The meerkat is the no. See, no? it is something different. Look, guys, is it? Periscope looks like that, mm -hmm. and then the one with the meerkat is just called meerkat. Yeah, meerkat. Oh. See, so it's probably similar. So meerkat does this. Well, I mean, not so, exactly the same thing. But I was like, hmm, I thought it was called something else. So what are you doing on Periscope? So what I started last night. I started La last night. So I started last night, and, and I realized uh, two things. It's a new platform, so everyone is featured. It's kind of it brings me back to Blog TV back in two thousand eight. Yeah. Um, everyone is featured, and um, and when you say everyone, you mean every. I mean. Everyone who has more than five viewers that are watching, and then depending on your popularity, oh. you'll go to the top. Um, and uh, I realized that the, um, the titles are very important because a lot of the times um, when you start broadcasting, it's actually facing this way, so it's not looking at you. So a lot of the times, this uh, the um, uh, thumbnails are just the wall or your feet, or <laughs> or something that is not your face. The, the toilet. So the toilet, right. Yeah. So this, uh, the titles are very important, and then people just log in, and the discovery on that to, on, on that app is so high. Uh, when I was doing a show last night, it was just the 15 minute, I just wanna talk to people and see what's going on, and uh, half of those people were not my fans. It was just people browsing through, and they discover you, and like, who are you? Oh, we like you, let's follow you, and see what happens. So the discovery is really high. It's funny because now, which I'm, is one thing on Snapchat is missing for now. Oh, discovery! Mm -hmm. I'm looking at a graph that shows the percentage of Twitter users using either Periscope or Meerkat, and how Meerkat went up, and then just just recently, March 21st, all of a sudden, Periscope just goes up and passes it. It's like yep. it just kills it. Because just, uh, lots of YouTube personalities started to use it. 
Well, another thing for us to feel I guilty just, about. Yeah, it just yeah. makes me feel. It, you know what? When you know what we've done, we have created the email red bubble equivalent of social media. That mm-hmm. is what we have just discussed. Full circle mm-hmm. it, buddy. You know, we and now there's all this pressure. There's all these social media networks that we feel pressure to join. And you know what? The funny thing is, is we're over here just worrying about email. <laughs> you you don't give a crap about your email. No, it's yeah, you're worried yeah. about this. <laughs> Somebody's like, got their priorities wrong. It, yeah, it's has telling. It how, yeah. And you know, it's a lifestyle. I mean, First of all, we got to take a trip to Russia. Oh, uh, we sure do. Like, we got to go we gotta get there down right memory now. lane. Oh, but, you bef- but before we do, <clears throat> no, you're going to take us there in like <laughs> a few <laughs> seconds. I'm just kidding. But, you know, as I said at the top, you, you know, you we we go way back. Mm-hmm. And since the yeah, beginning can we of YouTube. Can talk a little bit about it? Well, my memory of you guys, I met you back in 2009. And we met on the fat dipping video. <laughs> yeah. Fat, yeah. Fat, yeah, fat that dipping. The, that was, that the, was yeah. the beginning of and a lot. And you know, I've the met l- a lot of the people largest, there. The largest collaboration, in-person YouTube collaboration at to date, to up to that date, certainly. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll keep that as, as our, our claim to fame. Uh, we brought together more YouTubers yep. for one video in person than mm-hmm. anyone up to that point. I'm just gonna go ahead wow, and, I'm gonna go ahead and lay claim to that. I, claim. I am right behind you I there. think you're right though. Yeah, so, yeah you were there. And I, I've met You were in the and pool for everyone. like yeah. nine hours. You're right. I did, I did anything for you guys. <laughs> and I didn't even know who you were. Yeah, but nobody I just, knew. I just showed up. <laughs> it's like, yeah. You talk about, the, I mean, you get the wrinkly stuff on your fingers after mm-hmm. like seven minutes in a tub. Like we had you in that swimming pool. We were there forever. Fully closed, mm-hmm. mind you. Because mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. uh, that was the point. For... It could have been I mean, you know, all day. Seven seven hours. Yep. <laughs> well, on I mean, and off. Not... Your flesh started to rot off of your like toes. It's still it's I still have problems because of that <laughs> too. But it's a constant reminder of our friendship. But there's a it's a lifestyle to continue to adopt and and learn and change constantly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's a commitment to I don't know if it's it's reinvent yourself or reinvigorate your 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 creativity. You know, we I, I have to think, and you kind of alluded to this going through cycles. Mm-hmm. No, know? so um, I want to actually talk about this is uh, this is something that made me think a lot and also be appreciative of uh, the fact that I did stick around for so long because there's so many times I wanted to quit. It was just too much work, or I couldn't understand how to break through, or um, I was just spending too much money and not making the money back. It was just like so many setbacks. But I decided to uh, push through until I'm finally like this is my job now. So the interesting part is before I started YouTube, I was auditioning and I was just a regular actress in LA. Mm-hmm. And it was very difficult to break through for obvious reasons in Hollywood. But then uh, when my YouTube channel started to grow, I came to my agency and I said, um, I have 50,000 followers. Maybe we should leverage that and get me an audition in the movie. And he looked at me and he said, uh, if you want to be respected in this business, I don't think you should bring it up. Like the whole Internet thing. Just hide it. So just hide it. Like don't, 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 let's not. So. That was actually the day I left the agency, and I mm-hmm. never really regretted it, and I concentrated on building my following for the next five years. So recently, I went to an audition, um, and I haven't auditioned in a long time. So I went in, and they were only looking for digital stars to star in their movie, and they brought in some actors. And it was very interesting to observe where the actors were coming in, and they were just uh, stating their name and auditioning, and digital stars had to... Uh, show how many followers they have before they got to audition mm-hmm. and how much value they can bring to the project. And, and you have to be live streaming on Periscope <laughs> right? the entire time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, through the and audition. 
you can, yeah. <laughs> but it was just interesting how everything is turning around where um, it's, I feel like it's not fair for both of the uh, talent, uh, mm-hmm. traditional actors and digital stars, because, you know, now really good actors that don't have a lot of following might not be getting the job just because the digital star has uh, some talent and lots of followers. So it kind of comes a full circle in mm-hmm, a way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for you finding, making a way for yourself and along with all of us who started around that time, just figuring out how to make a living, mm-hmm. um, there was the one thing that popped up. It was the Wall Street Journal article Ooh. where they were like, well, tell us about that. It was New York Times, New right? York Times, Oh, yeah. the New York Times article. But I know what like, you're talking about, yeah. Oh, you're, you know, she not, she's not making any money. Yeah. Or, or you were saying, I'm not making any money. Well, is it actually- I can't, I can't support myself. That's <laughs> No, no, I can support myself. I feel like I make good enough money. It's just I feel that if I was on a TV show and bringing the same type of views, it would be a lot more money. So, and, and of course they, they twisted- So was it misconstrued? I think it was twisted a little bit um, in a way. I was just trying to show that- um, YouTube community works really, really hard for their money. And we're the pioneers of the new platform that the ad dollars um, are not there yet, but they will be. But they had their own agenda for the article. So it turned out to be like, look at this poor girl working so hard and not making the money. Uh, Because I support, that's all I do. I don't do anything else. And I'm happy. I'm not a millionaire, but I'm making a living. Was there blowback from the article? Um... From fans or... No, uh, nothing from fans. Um, A lot of people texted me uh, with a lot of respect messages. Uh, YouTube was a little disappointed how the article turned out, but um, lots of agencies started calling saying, we're going to make you more money. Come join us. (laughs) So a lot of that happened. (laughs) Yeah. That's like a whole different podcast about that. <laughs> yeah, all, the the offers of how we can make you more money yeah. on YouTube than you already are. And I feel, I mean, if you compare YouTube to Hulu, I mean, YouTube is definitely not up there with the Hulu, with the whole um, ad money. Right. right. I mean, I, yeah, I think, I mean, the, we've kind of learned how to, it's interesting having, you know, been the subject of different articles, you mm-hmm. start learning how to find the truth mm-hmm. in, in uh, media in a way that before you actually were the subject of them, you just kind of assume that like, oh, this must be the, this is the how case. It is, yeah. And and what you learn is that oh, well, I guess what they're trying to say is that it's really difficult to do this. This is not a cush job. It is. <clears throat> you yeah. got to work for every penny. The bucks literally stops with you. You have to, uh, you know, you're the one who's in control of this whole enterprise, and that's mm-hmm. not an easy thing. And you're not going to necessarily get rich doing it. Yeah, and th- and that was my whole point. Like I I work twenty four seven. I feel like, and uh, and it's not because I make millions on YouTube. I love what I'm doing, and I know there's a lot of great opportunities that will come from it. So, so that was my whole point. But you know, everyone has their agenda. Yeah, but you you had a nice photo shoot as part of it. That was great. <laughs> um, <laughs> I looked pretty. Let's uh, let's talk about Russia. Okay. Um, so if you tell us where you were born in Russia, we're probably going to be like, well, is it not, if it's not Moscow or St. Yeah, Petersburg. Usually, actually, you'll be surprised. So that was the case for the last 15 years. Um, but now I feel like everyone knows that place. And I was actually born in Crimea. Oh, really? So yeah. So everyone, because of the conflict that happened there, everyone now knows that area. So I was born there by the Black Sea in a tiny, tiny village. And that's something How I, black is it? <laughs> it was like pretty black. But it's not black at all. Come on. Don't get my hopes up. 
Is the sea black? You just have to go see it. No, describe it. I just want to know, is it black? The sea is filled with lots of seaweed that is really black. So it is, Uh, it does look black. Yeah. Okay, don't let me derail you. Go ahead. Paint a a picture of your birth and childhood. Yeah, so, oh, I'm glad you brought the the birth. Um, I was born premature. So the fact that I can even speak two languages is shocking to me sometimes. But, um, uh, and the reason I was born premature is because my mom had really uh, bad heart. And the doctors, without her knowledge, uh, started giving her medication that will cause the miscarriage because they believe that if she gives birth to me at nine months, she might not make it. So I was the miscarriage, and uh, I was two months premature, and nobody really thought I'm going to make it, but I made it. And uh, and So did they, your mom found out at some point... That yeah. I should. I, I don't want to be taking this medication, and she stopped. Or no, she didn't stop. She just. She was just surprised when I came early. But it was because of the medication. Mm-hmm. That doesn't sound right. It doesn't. But in Russia, it's um, anything can happen. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, trust me. I've seen those driving in Russia YouTube montages. Right? Oh gosh. Um. But so you were. Your life was threatened. Yes. From from the get go. Mm-hmm. And then when I was two years old, um, somebody left an undistilled vinegar um, on the floor, and I drank it, and I burned a lot of my insides. So up what? until I was, <laughs> well, how, lots of things happen in Russia. How does this happen? It and was what, just, what was that being used for? To clean something? I I think maybe people were cooking and not cook. I don't. I have no idea. But I was two years old, and I was just crawling around, and I found the bottle, and it was open, and I drank it. And uh, and then I was in a hospital for a little bit, and I was uh, all my food consisted of oils that were put in my mouth for like a couple of months. Oh my That's goodness. all I ate. So up until I was seven, I was just a very skinny, scared little girl, and I was very shy. And uh, and, what, and what kind of family uh, are we talking about? So I have a mom and dad and a brother, older brother. And my mom was always very creative, and my dad was always like really hard worker. And my mom was. And what, what did he do? What did your dad do? Uh, my dad. Well, he originally he was a marine, but then when the family started popping out, um, he just became a field so you say worker. Marine, like I thought that. So, like a Russian marine mm-hmm. is called a marine too. That's the translation. Well, I mean, no, this is how you guys will understand it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dumb it down, please. She's not speaking Russian. Like yeah, she's yeah speaking, I'm not speaking, she's speaking Russian English. right now. What's the Russian word uh, n- for Marine? I don't know. It's been a while, guys. It's been a while since I spoke Mariak. I think it's Mariak. Very close. Okay. Um, so then he started working in the field, which I feel like my dad always felt like it was not satisfying to his ambitions and my mom she was operating um a community center and she was teaching all the kids in the village um different arts acting circus and she always wanted to be in a circus that's how my whole circus thing comes um into play um she always wanted to be in a circus but because of her heart she couldn't but she had a twin sister who was a professional circus performer really and when i was little when i was five i said i have to become a circus performer so your aunt what did she do in the circus? She was training geese. Geese? Yes. 
What can you do with a goose? Lots of things. Actually, they did a lot of tricks that dogs would do. How what? How many they, geese are we talking about? Uh, it was at least forty. A whole flock. It was so many. <laughs> it was so many geese. Forty and, geese doing what dogs do? And yes, they were ringing the bell. They were sliding on their butts on the um, on slides. Uh, they were doing the figure Amazing. eights between um, barriers. Uh, they did lots of cool tricks. And uh, so my job, when I was 14... They poop everywhere, too. They poop. I actually researched uh, how much they poop, and I think it's 24 times per hour or 12 times I, per hour, yeah. something oh, like that. that. It's crazy. Um, and uh, so when I was in the village, um, we just became so poor. Like, my life in the village was very bad. Um, it was 400 people in the village. Um, electricity was turned off every day at 5 p.m. till 5 a.m. So I was doing my homework over... Um, we didn't have candles, so we had to make our own candles, which would be the olive oil and cloth that we would burn, and I would do homework that way with my dad. Wow. Oh, wow. So it was, it was pretty so, so it was a pretty... Uh, was this region pretty poor in, in general? Yes, even now, I don't even know what's happening there now. But and the water would be turned off, and um, a lot of people survived on their gardening skills. And so we had our own cows and sheep and pigs and lots of vegetables that we grew in our backyard. So, do you consider yourself Ukrainian, or is I am Russian technically because my parents are Russian. That's another thing in Russia; it's a little different. Just because I was born in Ukraine, and it, back then it was it was not even Ukraine; it was just. SSSR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. USSR. Yeah. And uh, so I'm Russian. In my passport, I'm Russian. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, the, and then Ukraine became... And I speak became, Russian too. I don't speak Ukrainian. Okay. And, and you came, Ukraine became independent when? Like at some point during your, while you were still there? Um, 90, was it 91? Yes. I, or I just left. Okay. Okay. So you didn't necessarily experience that whole thing. But, so, I'm sure I did, but I didn't pay attention. I was a kid. Right, okay. Just like, whatever. Gotcha. So, so your mom was a, like a, an, a fine arts teacher yeah. for, for kids like your, like, yes, like, like myself. You. And I, and I spent a lot of time. So she put me also in music school. So my days, um, consisted from going to school in the morning, then coming home, maybe doing the homework, uh, but then go to music school and then go to her community center and see what other people are doing and hopefully get inspired and not get into drugs. And she wished she was with her sister, but couldn't do it. She couldn't do it. Yeah, she uh, wished she was a performer. So, and this so is, she did. You, did she train like one goose? Well, no. So my so my mom always wanted to do an aerial arts, and that's what I wanted to do as well. So when I was fourteen, um, the situation in our village became really, really difficult, and we couldn't be there anymore. So we had to. What do you mean? It was just no money. Nobody was getting paid. Um, there was barely any produce available to buy. Mm. And uh, the whole no electricity, no water, it just became really hard to continue growing your vegetables and everything. So we had to leave and figure out another way. So we joined the circus when I was 14. And by joining the circus, our job was to clean up after the geese. Who oh, was, wow. Yeah, so that was my job when Who I was 14. Who is we? Like your my whole mom, family? Yeah, my mom and my dad and myself. And because your aunt was already working for the circus, so yep. she got you in. She got us she in. Got us the, you got you the job. Correct. On the and ground floor. Work, the, working yes. for her, cleaning up the goose poop. Yes. And okay. the goose poop. And then when I was 14, I realized that I was too old to become a circus performer because by 14, you already have your own act. 
So, and I think that's when it started for me that I have to work really, really hard. And it was around the same time when my mom told me that you don't have to go to college as long as you work really, really hard if you want to be an entertainer. And that just stuck with me my whole life. And uh, I was too old to become a circus performer. So I... I remember going to school and we would change schools once a month and I would go to school and then I would... Um, because you were traveling around? Traveling around so much. So you would be in one place for a month mm -hmm. and then you would move. So the circus mm -hmm. would come to town for four weeks? Yep. And... Was this, was this really circus, popular? Yeah, How, Russian, Russia is very different from America. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I quit circuses here in America originally. Because in Russia, it's a well-respected profession and we don't have tents. We have actual buildings built like the circus. And in fact, when circus is not in town, really big pop stars use it as their stages to do their concerts. So in circus performers, if you're really good, um, you were one of the celebrities in Russia. You were always on TV. You were always part of all the pop concerts. Um, so you were just one of the celebrities. And there's multiple circus troops. Uh, so we have, <laughs> we have. It's kind of like let, I'll paint it in this way. It's kind of like Maker. We have Maker in Moscow, and they uh, represent all the circus performers. Okay. And then they send whichever people they want to different cities in Russia. So, and then you go to that city and you work with a group of people and the, the next city you go to, you have no idea who's going to be there. Just depending on what kind of program circus is putting together. So I often would meet people and then um, we would separate and I'll meet them again like three towns later, but we never knew who's working with who. So it's like, it was like fun. Oh, some people I've never saw again. So you, you're actually performing with, getting paired with people. Not in your act, but in the whole program. The whole program. Yeah. Mixing, mixing and matching different mm -hmm. acts together. Yeah, so it's never the same. But but when you first got there, your aunt was like, clean up the goose poop. That's all I had, yeah. So how long did that last and what was the nature of that? So I think, so seven o'clock in the morning, we had to wake up and clean up and that would take probably two hours to clean up and then you have to wash the geese. And you don't wash them by hand, you just let them swim in the, um, in the tub. Um, and then they would come back into the cage and poop again and you do it again at night. Um, so, and then I would go to school and then we would have rehearsals in between. And then when I had free time, that's when I started developing my own act, which was juggling. And juggling is something that I never thought I'll be a juggler. I had no passion for juggling, but that was the only thing I was not too old for. And I, I just rehearsed eight hours a day and I became really good. Did you have like a master sensei teaching you? Um, my uncle was a juggler. So he was a big help in the beginning. And I would just watch so many performers. I was just so obsessed with uh, performers and how beautifully they looked on stage in the, in the ring and how effortless it all looked. And what, kind of, what kind of stuff did you juggle? Just balls and clubs and rings. Just the typical stuff. And you can do how many of those at one time? Um, five or six. So yeah, so I, I became really About good. Five or six of, more than me. <laughs> I can juggle one. Yeah, well, one, yeah, not me. <laughs> <laughs> I can teach you guys. No, sure. it, that would be a riveting podcast. But it, but, <laughs> but what I realized when I came, so I came to this country. So for two years, I did that. I traveled all over Russia, um, and then my aunt got a contract here in America uh, with Ringling Brothers, and. Uh, I was in the middle of working on my act with my cousin. So originally, we we're just going to come here for two years. And uh, 
just perform with Ringling Brothers. And but that so I was 16 at that time. And then my mom and my dad, that was already established that they can go so I can come so I can still help cleaning up. And mm-hmm. then um, so you do came my as own an act. assistant pretty much. Plus, she she has a juggling act. Yeah, and was, I was working but you on had to travel act. with this flock of geese. Yes. Did the, do you send them out over the ocean? They fly their way to America, or do, they, or do you put them in? No, they're yeah. like behind a plane <laughs> they in formation. They like fly, fly. No, yeah, they. It's cheaper that they way. They were sent. <laughs> um, they were sent. If you and, can train them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go to Athens, Georgia. Now <laughs> <laughs> that would have been so cool. That would have been great. Um, so yeah, so I traveled with the circus in America, and I didn't speak English when I got here. Really? Yeah. What, what year was this? Nineteen ninety nine. And you were how old? I was 16. 16. Yeah. I didn't speak English. And I remember um, our program uh, was put together of Russians, Chinese, Moroccans, French, Italian. So everyone spoke different languages. And then, but everyone spoke English. Mm -hmm. And I remember talking to all of my Russian friends and telling them not to ever speak Russian to me. And so I can figure out how to speak English. Once you arrived? Yes. Or in preparation? Once I arrived. So hmm. what do you remember, I mean, when you first got here? What, what, what did you feel? What, uh... The first thing I remember, because somebody told us that we were only going to be getting paid $20 a day. Um, that was the first thing I remembered where I was like, ooh, $20 a day, that's way more than I ever made in Russia. But I wonder what it, how long that's going to last. And hmm. I remember it was lasting a lot. Like for $20, if you buy, you know, a giant bag of frozen French fries that lasts <laughs> you a long time. <laughs> um, so, and I came to Florida. Uh, it was Sarasota, a uh, very small town. Uh, so I remember walking around and it was very quiet and peaceful. And now I'm realizing it's because everyone that retires goes to Sarasota. <laughs> so that's yes. why it was so quiet and peaceful. And I think my third city was Los Angeles. And we were, our circus was built in the middle of Century City. And in the middle of all this, right next to the mall. So I was 16. I was going to the mall every day. I was making, I think at that time I was making $250 a week. And my only expenses were my cell phone. And so that was a lot of money for me, especially coming from Russia making $250 every two months. So it was a big deal. So my whole life was going to the mall discovering things uh, on my own, learning English. I remember I was reading words every day, trying to memorize it. And the memory of learning English was I could not figure out the difference between everywhere, everything, every time. To me, that was just one word. <laughs> I could not figure that out. So um, you started buying Woody Allen's <laughs> Yes. I'm like, how can I learn from... Yeah. Um, and the other members... Oh, this is actually a great story. So I finished my high school in advance because I knew I'm not going to be back for uh, two years. And I didn't speak English, so I couldn't go to school in America. But in America, you guys have this law where you have to be in school until you're 18. Mm-hmm. And so... Within the circus, we had a teacher that would teach all the kids mm-hmm. all the subjects. And so they come to me and they say, so I'm 16, and they come to me and they say, you have to go to school here. I'm like, but I finished my high school. And their excuse was, well, it wasn't translated. So there's no proof that you actually finished it. So you have to go to school. So I go to school, um, but because I don't speak English, they evaluate me and they put me in the second grade. So I'm the 16. second grade? <laughs> yes. At 16, I was in two plus two um, and sitting with kids that are 
eight years old. Hold on, they put you in a class with second graders? Yes. It's like an Adam Sandler movie. Uh, pretty much. And I did that for, I think, eight months. And they said, no, it's oh, going to no. be good for you. You learn how to speak English. I'm like, I can learn how to speak English in my own trailer. I lived in a trailer, too. <laughs> On the circus. Prom- uh, it's like a star trailer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Only Not, it was like five of to, us. But you went to second. So <laughs> Second grade. With other kids that Is were that part, of, part of the yes. circus? or Oh, I was pissed. They like sent you to like a public school with second no, grade. No, no, no. We had our own school within the circus, kind of like on gotcha. a movie set where you'll have your own gotcha. teacher and everything. Yeah. So I was in the second grade. Uh, so that's a really fun Make story. Make some good friends? Yeah, we're still really close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was, um, but also in the middle of all of that, I had to go to second grade and then I had to rehearse and then I had to clean up after the animals and then I had to do the shows because I was also in the show, like pre-shows and different things. Uh, so it gave me a lot of really cool insight on how to survive, I guess. Mm-hmm. Can I make um, one little sidetrack here? Mm-hmm. I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask... Um, Worst circus accident that you've personally Ooh. witnessed? Mm. I actually have been personally in one. Um, well, when tell I, us that one. Yeah, but, when and I then would, also tell us the worst, and okay. I hope it w- didn't involve you. Okay, yeah, so there's there's two. I have two stories. Um, one of them was when I was um, 15, and I was rehearsing my act, and my act was not just juggling. It was me juggling on unsupported ladder, which is a six-feet-tall ladder that you balance with your body, and you climb up every step of the way, and then you're on top, and you balance But it's not an A-frame. No. It's just a just ladder. Like a ladder. Straight, you prop just against a wall. And you don't prop it, so you just balance just, it. You walk on it. Okay. And so your feet are um, covering the top step. Not covering, but one is at front and one is behind. So that's uh. how you keep the ladder in, in place. And then I would juggle with my cousin back and forth while I'm top on, the, on top of the ladder. Yeah. So that was my act, and it was a very unique act. Uh, not many people did that for a good reason. But we did it. Um, and one day we were rehearsing something where I was balancing the ladder while balancing something on my head, which means I had to look up and look at that object as I was balancing while I'm balancing A lot, a lot of balancing myself. going on. There's like too much um and then i've lost balance and so i dropped whatever i was um uh, balancing on my head and then i was just trying to uh flip one of my legs over the step so i can slowly come down the ladder and as i did that my shoe got cut in one of the steps which made me very i was stuck to the ladder i couldn't do anything so my only way out was to fall back and see what happens. But as I was falling back, uh, the ladder, because of the weight, it just slid under me. Mm. And from six feet tall, I just like landed on my wooden, on my wooden table like this on my head. Yeah, on my head, it was just like, bam. And, and then an elephant came in and, and sat on you. Pretty, pretty much, right? <laughs> I was like, no wonder I'm so messed up. Um, but I remember opening up my eyes and I felt so much pressure in my head and I wasn't sure what, what was going on. And everyone was around me and they took me to a room. And for the next, and I'm not even kidding, for the next maybe... 10 hours, I was asking the same question over and over. (laughs) The only thing that was important to me is what happened, who saw me, 
and how did I get into this room? Um, severe and, concussion. Yes, severe. And I think I had amnesia. I was diagnosed with amnesia for 40 minutes of that time, so I had no idea what happened. So really? then my mom, my mom was in there, and then we went back to the hotel, and she came in, and she was so upset that something happened. And she's like, what happened? What day is today? I'm like, I don't know. She's like, what do you mean you don't know? She was so angry. She didn't want to believe that something really bad happened. <laughs> and uh, so then we went to the hospital, and there was no major cracks, but I remember I was on medication for probably two years because I had severe headaches. Wow. Yeah. Oh so when goodness. I came to America and we were traveling through, before LA, we went to San Mateo um, and it was a windy city right, right next to Sacramento. And I remember all the winds really affected my, my head. Really? Like if it was windy, my head would be exploding. But that doesn't happen anymore. No, I was good after uh, maybe a year in America, then I was good. And did you stop trying to do that double balance yeah, act? Yeah, I really didn't. Yeah, after that, I was never comfortable. And actually, a lot of people don't know this because they always ask me if I want to do live shows uh, on stage. I'm like, no, I have horrible stage fright. I'm like, but you used to be in the circus. And the whole career as a teenager in the circus, I had a horrible stage fright. So every show was a big deal to me. Mm-hmm. And I would go and I would shake and I would just freak out and I would do well. How and can you shake and juggle? Exactly. And your hands will get sweaty because you're nervous. So there's like so many things that goes against you. So you never turn that corner of, of nerves. Mm-mm. And uh, But then I, once I'm off the stage, I had this adrenaline and I wanted to do it again because now I was like, oh, it wasn't that yeah. bad. I can do it again. But then every time the next show rolled around, I was like, oh gosh, I'm terrified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't do it. So once I discovered YouTube, it was just the most beautiful platform where I can hide behind the editing. Hmm. <laughs> it was just so great. It was like mistakes didn't matter. You can edit that fall off of the ladder right yeah. out. But yep. what's the, yeah. so what's the worst that didn't involve you? So what, the worst, it was um, in my show with Ringling Brothers. It was a very professional trapeze artist and she always did her act without any um, support. So like she a net? Was, yeah, no net and no wires connected to her. And she did this trick where she was uh, flying, the the trapeze was swinging back and forth and she was hanging off of it on her heels. Hmm. Not even, when you hang off on your toes. Like the Achilles tendon kind of thing? She was swinging and something went wrong and she just went falling straight down to the ground. And uh, luckily she had a guy who was uh, right underneath her and he he pushed her out. So as she fell on him, he just <laughs> pushed her over. So she damaged her back a lot. And But shoulder. she didn't die. He she kept didn't her die. from no, hitting no, no. head first. Correct. And you saw this, this was in front of a crowd. Yes, it was right in the middle of the show. Oh. And I remember our act was right after that. And um, I remember this really weary silence. And Did it, they like just drag her off and keep going? Or was there like... No, they just, it, she was there for I think 40 minutes until the ambulance there. came and made sure nothing was broken. Was she paralyzed? No. Wow. Yeah, she wasn't. She landed, she just really injured her shoulder. And your mom and, came out and was like, what day is it? Yeah, <laughs> like, do you remember the day? What's wrong with you? Get up and walk. <laughs> so and that, they, that's actually brings me back to the Russian, you know, culture. It's, um, you know, there's no like, oh, I don't feel good today. I should probably stay in bed forever. It's very like, get going and get things done. So and vodka and vodka. I mean, is that yeah. true? Well, it's true for a lot of people. I'm not. I always say I'm not a real Russian because I I don't do that. Did the show go on 
I'm sorry to bring After, up vodka. Yes. That was a low blow. I was no, just being okay. stupid. It's okay, I'm used to it. Link. That's um, did you have to perform your act after they after they scraped her off of the ground? Yes, the show went on. Wow. But you know what's the worst part? So the people is? sat there for forty minutes yeah. and watched them just oh, mm-hmm. put her in traction or whatever. Oh, they, that's why they that's why they come, man. Yeah, it's good for, the, for probably, the possibility of that waiting. kind of thing happening. <laughs> it's the best waiting. circus ever for those people. But the worst experience in the circus for me was um, I was in Florida working in one of those uh, family circuses, which is a whole different story um, when it's not a corporate and it's a family circus. Anything goes, huh? <sighs> Pretty much. And so on that show, a man with a goat head. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, does it? It gets weird, right? It gets really weird. Yeah, and this is—I'm talking family circuses. I mean, they've been in the circus industry for the last fifty years. Mm-hmm. Like all of their grandfathers been in the circus. So um, it was September 11th, and I remember that happened, and we're like, "Oh, the show is going to get canceled." And it was like three shows that day, and we were had to perform. It was like the most. Ew bizarre day for oh, wow. anyone but people came to watch and we well, performed maybe, maybe that was weird. maybe that's helpful I don't know what about sideshows I mean is that something that did you get like to the know? bearded lady by, yeah do you get to know these people behind the scenes <laughs> is that part of it of course you get to know them you were part of the troupe we like didn't who have a, lizard man like <laughs> I didn't Luckily, I didn't have any of that because I was part of the Ringling Brothers shows that they were trying to do something similar as Cirque du Soleil so it was more yeah. of a, Classy. a fancier. I mean, we had like a velvet chairs in our circus. It right. It was fancy. I still dream about it sometimes, hoping that we can do it again. It was a great experience for me. When I was 16 through 19, I was traveling with them, and it was just everyone's costumes were beautiful, and we all became friends, and then enemies, and then friends again. It's like a giant family traveling for two years. Right. And then, and how did, it, how did you end up staying? In the U.S. Uh, so in the, in the U.S., so I've been here for three years with the circus. So they bring you in under a visa. Then I had another agent who, and the thing about visas, so I was not allowed to work uh, in any other circuses other than Ringling Brothers. So then I had an agent who did another visa for me that allowed me to work in lots of different other circuses, but only circuses. You could not work like at McDonald's. And then I applied for green card, and then with green card you can do... You can do anything right. if you get approved. Right. Yeah. So when I stayed, and the sad story about that story is um, it took me a while to learn how to speak English and then save up some money and do all of the things that I had to do. And I remember I didn't go back home for seven years. So my mom, I left when I was 16, and my mom let me go because she always wanted me to follow my dreams. And then she thought, I'll come back in two years, but I didn't. And you didn't was, see her until you were in your 20s. Yeah. And it was really bizarre. I remember her calling me and I was trying to figure out the whole like, how do you make enough money so you can travel overseas and do all these things? And I was um, back before YouTube, I was auditioning for a lot of commercials and I was trying to get commercial work as a juggler. Um, and, and eventually I did right before I, YouTube became my full time job. Um, I booked five national commercials. And I'm like, oh, this is it. Perfect. Now I'll just sit there and money will come as I develop the whole YouTube thing. But before that, I was an extra on lots of TV shows and movies. And that paid like $50 a day. And I was working, I remember working like seven times a week, seven days a week. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to become a union because once you become a union, you get paid twice as much. And, um, And that was around that time when my mom called me and she said, it was a very emotional time when she said, um, I, I don't want to die before I see you. Hmm. 
and uh, <laughs> I'm going to start crying um, because she has a really bad heart and she was just, mm-hmm. she just felt like she'll never see me again. And yeah. so I, I finally saved up the money and I went and it was so weird because we would talk on Skype, but <laughs> we would talk on Skype all the time, but then... Um, should we take a break? <laughs> <laughs> no. No, okay. It's fine. We'll take a break if you need to. Um, and then when I came home, I remember talking to them, and it was just this foreign thing because I was already thinking and dreaming in English. And talking mm-hmm. to my family, I was just like, I can't connect. Like, I can't connect to my family and get used to the humor and just just have a normal conversation without trying to remember what words I'm trying to use to mm. communicate my thoughts. And But that went away after like two or three days being there. And then I just made a decision to always go at least once a year. So you've been wow. able to go back every year? Mm-hmm. Really? I've been going every year now. Yeah. And then um, in the last, I think, four years, I started bringing my family here. So my mom been coming here. She's been here two or three times now. And how's her health? She uh, she had a heart surgery um, while I was in America, so I flew there for that. I think that was like the third time me visiting after I was already living here. Uh, she had heart surgery, and uh, it's better. Um, they definitely saved her heart, but it's not perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what did she, what was her experience visiting here for the first time? There, it's also very interesting because was she proud I, of you? I mean, she's had... so proud, um, and she doesn't speak English. So she and she watches my videos every day, and I, <laughs> and she's like, make a video in Russian. I was like, oh my gosh, I barely have time to make a video in English. Um, so she watches my videos all the time. The only thing she can recognize is like, <laughs> she's like, don't say those words because uh, she knows those are bad. So and then I would be like, okay, fine. I was like, it's funny, mom. It's funny. Um, there's another interesting thing. Uh, I love to curse in American, like in English. <laughs> But when I start cursing in Russian, I feel so awkward because I think it's the language. Like I have so much respect, I guess, for elders in Russia because I grew up. You know, I just give us a couple right now. <laughs> in we Russian, won't, yeah, and we won't even believe them. Oh gosh, I can't even say it because Russians, the way they curse, there's so much passion. It's kind of like the way I curse when I curse in English. But when I say it, I just feel like a little girl who's like my well, parents we, are. We watching. won't know the I'll difference. Say, okay. It's like time travel. It's like pashol uh, nahui. Oh wow! Oh, it's and pretty intense. Zakroy yebala. Huh? But the way I say it, it's, it's kind of like I just don't want to be. Yeah, you you like you lose eye contact. Yeah, but like when you should like totally be pointing in my face. Yeah, but I would be like shut the up. Like I have like yeah. I have that. <laughs> yeah, that, that's good. That's in me. But in Russian, I just like I just is that this what, little girl. That's what you said to me. Uh, shut no no yeah actually the second thing was shut up, yes okay yeah. I had to translate now a little bit. Um, but yeah, so my mom, when she came here, um, she doesn't speak English. And uh, what, what about eat goose and die? Say that one. Okay. Yesh govno i umri. It doesn't have the same meaning. I don't know. Oh. You know, sometimes it just doesn't translate the way you want eat it to. Eat goose, poop, and die? You just can't? Yesh, uh, yesh, uh, how do you say goose? I'm actually not that bad. It's just I haven't spoken Russian in like a week. So I forget. Goose. Goose. Yeah, it's the same word. That's why. Goose? <laughs> goose. goose is goose, goose. in no, Russian? It's goose. Goosey. Goosey. Goosey is a <laughs> p- plural for geese. Um, 
Anyways, we'll do a Russian um, lesson some other time. <laughs> but, um, some other time. Some other time when I know Russian a little better. Um, but so when she came here, she was surprised of how beautiful everything was and how everyone was so polite and sweet. I'm like, wait, what, is, what do you think of us here in America? <laughs> right. And I just realized that there is something cultural that happens if you are in that country, the other countries are painted in a different light. Oh, yeah. And so when they so when they come and experience that for themselves, so it's for like her, a little it was disconnect. a negative light. Yeah, well, I think so. I think it goes for every country. Um, and when she came here, it was like everyone's so nice and sweet. Wait a second. Yeah, it's There's whatever whatever the stereotype. That, yeah, it's that, like that, whatever yeah. news feed feed yeah. you, um, and then you kind of take that. But they're um, but they're they're not in Crimea now. They're no. So now she lives in Siberia. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, with Siberia. Safe, but cold. Very cold. So in Siberia is the place where my mom and dad were from. And then uh, because of my mom's health, we had to move to a warmer climate. Um, so that's why we were in Crimea. And then uh, she moved back to Siberia. But wow. I, now I don't think it's really affecting her health mm. that much. So I'm not sure what that was all about. But um, uh, but she lives in Siberia. So when I go to visit, I either go to Siberia or I go where my brother is at, which is St. Petersburg. And then I'll just okay. bring my whole family to St. Petersburg because it's a little more fun yeah. to explore. And not so cold. And not so cold, yeah. And it's, it's just beautiful. Um, but she comes here and she loves it here. And uh, she loves my dog. She loves to walk around. She watches me make videos. It makes no sense to her, but she supports it. Um, <laughs> because at one point, I remember, um, I think my aunt would say something like, uh, why wouldn't she just get a real job? And then once I started making enough money to actually support my family, that's when my mom said, I think that's her real job. <laughs> I think this is what, <laughs> yeah, that's what she work. does. So what's what's next? What are you... Besides, besides Periscope and Pero, Snapchat, oh Periscope is definitely gonna be my next best friend. Um, well, a couple of things. So one of the things um, I've launched a Nihai Sock company also last year, and yeah. I mm -hmm. ran into a couple of problems with manufacturing because I decided to do everything on my own. And uh, but now I finally back on track, so um, I'm releasing lots of new designs. And uh, with that, I'm developing an animated show around those characters as well. Yeah, and the other thing, and, and that's something I ha actually haven't talked to anyone about, um, but I'm writing a book about my dating experiment. This is a, this is a breaking news on Ear Biscuits? I'm pretty much. I you think, have not vlogged or no, periscoped no. or Snapchatted this? Uh, I'll say this. Uh, I've mentioned on Twitter that I'm writing a book, but I've never said what it's all about. Well, tell so us all about people, it. People just assume that it's a book about Olga K becoming Olga K on YouTube, but mm -hmm. um, it's actually about my dating experiment and originally it started off an experiment for myself because I've always been in long-term relationships. And then- So it's, it's, it's how long can one person date Toby Turner? <laughs> 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 yes. Um, uh, so, and before Toby, so I've dated somebody for a long time. And then before Toby, um, I was single for two years. Okay. And when I say single, I mean nothing happened, but I dated my YouTube channel. I was working 24-7, and I remember waking up one morning, I was like, oh, it's been two years, and I haven't had a single date. And that's how Toby came into the picture, and then we dated on and off for a year, and then after we broke up, um, I was single for another eight months. I'm like, oh, there goes another two years, and why is this happening to me? So I started questioning myself, well, why am I not dating around? Because people do ask me out, but I never 
go. I never mm-hmm. say yes. And I realized that I was terrified of dating. I can't do that. I'm a relationship type. I'm only going to date somebody who I uh, immediately feel the connection with. And if that person not around, I'm just going to hang out. And mm-hmm. if it's going to be two years, three years, fine. And then I started thinking even deeper where I thought, uh, okay, well, what if I start having children? What is this one with the men that I of my dreams? what is one thing that I regret? And it was not to date around. So, but then I started thinking how much I hate dating. So I had to come up with an experiment where it gives me an out. Okay. Um, so in the experiment uh, contains of me uh, dating for a year, nothing serious. It's just getting out of my system. So I never say I regret not to date around. And I was going to date nine guys and one girl before I settled down. Okay. And so what, and got, when, are you in the middle of this right now? Yes, I'm almost done, and uh, and I would only date each person for one month only, and I tell them up front that this is what I'm doing. <laughs> this is an experiment. <laughs> That's an experiment, and if they're down, then we'll not play games, not do this whole thing. I text you, and you text me five days later. Uh, we just date and see where it goes, and then once the month comes to an end, we both go separate ways, and there's no hard feelings. We both know it's coming. Let's just have fun and you're you're like on the dates taking notes in your phone (laughs) for your book usually i do it after i try to be respectful do we know any of these people that Um, have been in this this round uh, this round the answer is no and nobody will know anybody's names oh so you're gonna keep all that private Mm -hmm. so yeah everyone is private and uh have you dated the girl yet no it's coming up and mm, okay, I'm, now my brain is flooded with questions. Yes, please ask, please. <laughs> okay. Um, wow. Okay. I, I, you know, I don't. I would, so I'm you, on chapter eight. And you're writing. Oh, you're writing as you are go. Are you writing yes. as you go? Mm-hmm. And what do you? What is the nature of the stuff that you're learning? What are you looking for in the men? Is one thing, but so, so it's. You're learning about yourself. Absolutely. And also about dating in general because I've never really done it. I've always been in relationships. It's kind of like, I like you. Let's date for five years. That's been my life in the mm. past. So I've never really dated around. And and I've always been so picky. And if a guy showed interest, there's something mm. like control freak in me. If the sh- guy showed interest, I would always be not interested. I was like, oh, I'm not attracted to that. Unless I was attracted first and then he met me halfway and then we ended up dating. Um, okay. So this actually changed a lot where I was going out on dates with people that I was not fully attracted to. But I was just want to see where it would go. So you would intentionally pick someone for one month that I don't. I don't I'm not even attracted to this guy. Let's not hey. intentionally, but they would be like, "Hey, let's go out." I'm like, I would usually not go out with you, but yeah, totally. I'm part of this experiment right now. Do let's you want to be happens. number four? Yeah. Do you want to be number four? Right now? <laughs> is, okay. So what happened with that date guy? guy? So um, lots of different things happen with the different people, but I would I learned what I've learned about myself. And Did you find t- yourself being attracted to that guy that you didn't wouldn't have said yes to? Uh, yes. So the more there's an interesting thing about people. If you spend enough time with them, you learn to love them in a way. Hmm. Like you discover little things that are not there at first. And are you then, living together too? No. Okay. No, there's just no dating. time for that. You're just dating, yeah. Okay. Um, and it just depending on the chemistry, the only difference between all these different guys were uh, depending on the chemistry, we either spend four dates in a month together or 15. 
Mm-hmm. So you really hit it off with a couple so of people. Some, yep. And was it difficult with some of these guys who maybe you hit it off with to be like, oh, okay, I got to continue yes, this experiment? It was. Yeah, meaning but I, I like, have to cut it off at the end of this month. Yeah, it, it was difficult. And um, Were there tears with some of these people? Like a legitimate breakup? Yeah, there is some interesting, we'll just have to wait for the book, but there's some interesting thing that happened that I was not expecting. And it was just, for me, it was just like fun, kind of like fun and games in a way and see what we can learn from this. And then it's it just, fun and games became, until someone falls in love. Yeah, it became emotional at one point. But And you're dating this person on the side and... I mean, it was like, uh, I'll, I'll just tell you this. I'm not going to tell you a lot, but um, it became emotional and I still had to break it off and move on. And what happened with the next person was very interesting to learn because when you have... I could tell. When you have, yeah, when you have feelings for somebody and then you date somebody else, it was just like, it's such a weird, bizarre experience. And how does it... <laughs> and the whole time I was just apologizing. I was like, I'm sorry, this is so horrible. I'm sorry, this is happening. But everyone knows. So everyone knows what they're getting into yeah. and how does that impact it you know knowing up front what well, you know then how would it impact you well i'm a married man right. <laughs> i'm a committed uh, I'm, man i'm a married man i would Let's imagine i want to date a married man I so would, how like i come to you <laughs> the <laughs> answer is no i'm just Olga. kidding I'm thanks just kidding. for asking <laughs> i'm flattered that you asked i'm just kidding <laughs> i would imagine that it would be reduced to okay. This is just going to be a physical relationship, and some guy would be like, "Oh, I've got a, I've got a free ticket to a physical relationship for a month, and then it's over." Thank you. It's not going to, you know. So here's the thing that with that. So the first guy that I really wanted to date was a guy that um, I, I never had a relationship with him, but we had a little something going on, and he is known as the biggest player. So he was the first guy I went to because that's exactly what I thought. I was like, I'm already kind of comfortable with him. This is going to be my first guy. Uh, So we just see where it goes and it goes physical great. And he's a player. So for him, it's going to be like, it's a physical thing. And then he's out. And he turned me down. Because he said he would not ever be part of something like that. And so I've been turned down. He has standards. Yeah, he has standards. And I was just like, what? And that's when I learned that um, the bigger your ego is, the the more you deal with things like that. Uh, Because it's their ego. The girl cannot be in control of something like that. If that's the, they're the ones who are That's a good point. In control. I mean, there's also something else at work is that why put your heart out there to be, you know, just... To, to get hooked and then know that there's an out, like there's a yeah. there's an expiration date on this. Yeah, and, and that's another thing I've learned is when you date somebody for a month, it's actually a perfect time to get to know somebody and have fun. And then if you date them a little longer than that, then that's when it becomes where ooh, Confusing. I think I have feelings and what's going on. So that's why for me, so the longer part of the story is... Um, and that's how people kind of been taking that as, oh, they were probably faking it or they're not being themselves when they date you. And so I decided to not tell people that it's an experiment and just go through a dating and see where that ends. And the truth is, I feel like people are playing way more games when they don't know it's part of the experiment. Um, how many people have you done that with? Just one. Oh man! So did you person, apologize? Per- and you've been through that already. Yeah, that doesn't sound right. And that was just so. And for me, it was so frustrating. I was like, "Oh, this is what it's like to date in LA." 
<laughs> this nothing happens and everyone is playing games and everyone is just waiting for something to happen mm. and nothing happens and then you're like, oh gosh. That's well, listen, we can, we're going to get the whole book out of it <laughs> if you let us. So yeah. j- let's just make a deal that once you get this thing all down, mm-hmm. that we come back, you know, uh, we'll, we want yeah, to read it and talk about it. About it yeah. But yeah, super intrigued. Uh, yeah, and when uh, do you expect for that to be done and out? So I'm still so before I even wanted to you know shop for a book deal or anything, I wanted to finish most of it. So I'm kind of getting to the close, and so I'm just starting to see um, if somebody would be interested in a story like that. And then hopefully, I mean, books. I'm learning that it takes a while to get them out. So hopefully, in the next year. Okay. Yeah. Well, we will be anticipating that. Oh yes, you'll and- be getting a copy. All right, we'll hold you to it. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out with us and making this biscuit. It's time to sign the table. Oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah, I've been fun. waiting for this. There you go. There's your marker. Mm. Thanks, Olga. I know we gave you a hard time, but uh, it was a lot of no, fun. It was, it was great, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it was so great. There you have it, our Ear Biscuit with Olga K. Let Olga know how much you enjoyed that Ear Biscuit. Use hashtag Ear Biscuits on Twitter. Her handle is at Olga K, just like it sounds, O-L-G-A-K-A-Y. You know, speak to her. It means a lot. When you tweet at her with the hashtag Ear Biscuits, she is reminded uh, how good of a choice it was to come and spend this time with us today, even though we, uh, we maybe press a little too hard about that circus thing. Yeah, I mean the um, cause cause we were talking about it like the sideshow, like Lizard Man. I mean, like so I guess some circuses have sideshows. That was, but not really. That's not really the circus thing well, anymore. It's the sideshow. It's not the show. It's but the sideshow. I don't even know if those exist anymore. Like, there's a tent circus going up. I saw it on the way in today. Yeah, and th- there's not going to be like a sideshow stages there. But if you go to Venice Beach, oh, you can see like the permit- world's smallest. Duck. Yeah, there's a permanent sideshow. I don't think that's actually no. a thing. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not like the state fair booths. It's like Lizard no. Man. Really? Uh, at, at, at Venice Beach, yeah. Like there's a sword swallower, and he's just he's there swallowing the swords. And it makes me think of the one person that we've met that I'm sure has been in the closest thing to like freak show or sideshow. Catman. Remember when we oh, at, yeah. when we did Commercial Kings. Uh, we went and we made a, a tourism commercial for the town of Tonopah yeah. in the middle of nowhere, the desert, and we found out that um, this guy who calls himself Catman, if you just search Catman on the internet, all these amazing pictures of a man whose face is tattooed with like stripes like a tiger, he shaved his teeth down into points, he had piercings May all he over his body. May he rest in peace. Yeah, he passed away. He passed away last year, I think. Um, we met him in a diner, we, he didn't have like a sideshow. He was just like living in hiding. Not in hiding, but he was like isolated. I guess he wanted to get away from people, right? Right. Well, he had. Done, I think he had made a number of appearances and he was just like, you know, I'm a cat. Uh, I didn't I didn't do this so you would, you know, come pay to see me. I did it because I just, uh, I want to be a cat. And he was an interesting dude. I mean, but he was very nice. Incredibly nice. Incredibly Nicer nice. Nicer than most cats. He was a Gentile. He was very genteel, nice. Very nice. He, was, he was as nice as a dog. He was very, he, he talked, he had this like zen-like quality in the way that he talked. He did. And it was just so, he, he actually altered his lip 
to make it look like a cat lip. Do you remember that? He had lots of surgical stuff going on. And there were surgical whiskers. Whiskers he could that screw he, in. Could, he could screw in and make yeah. it make them. I'm not interested in doing that personally, but it was pretty cool to see somebody who did. Uh, I tell you another thing. I I am uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how this uh, book idea of Olga's is received, uh, and also in- interested to see that now that she's talked about it, how that's going to affect. Uh, I, I, my theory is that people will will contact her because she hasn't really talked about this her. publicly. People will contact her and say, "I want to be next in line for your experiment." You know that's going to happen. Yeah, I found it interesting how she's kind of she's kind of changed the parameters as she went on how much she disclosed at the top uh, of each month with each date or not. So yeah, um, hopefully that comes together for you. Book publishers, reach out to Olga. I think she's uh, she's accepting offers. Yes. And uh, we're accepting your ears every week. You can count on us. Uh, we will not reject week. them. We will not reject your ears. We are not rejecting them. Leave us a review on iTunes on your way out, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>